Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. Come on, just press into the Holy Ghost. Come on, you don't need words this morning. You've got your own voice. Go ahead and put on the background. Come on, there's an atmosphere in the room this morning. There's an atmosphere breakthrough. I can feel the Holy Ghost in the room this morning. There's an atmosphere breakthrough. Some of you are going to walk out of here free. Some of you are going to walk out of here new. Some of you are going to walk out of here healed. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is in the room. The Holy Ghost is in the room. And when the Holy Ghost is in the room, anything's possible. When the Holy Ghost is in the room, when the Holy Ghost is in the room, lives are transformed. Sickness has to bow to the name. Disease has got to go. Pain has got to go. Depression has got to go. Suicide has got to go. Disappointment has got to go. Chains are broken when the Holy Ghost is in the room. Orphan spirits go when the Holy Ghost is in the room. Greg, you can pull me back just a little bit in the monitors. I need Hector and Susanna to come up here. Pastor Anna, will you come? Horrible, just, just stay pressing in. Stay pressing in. These two are such a gift to this house, and they've got to go to Singapore for five weeks. And so this is their last Sunday in service until January. We want to send them out apostolically, release them to go. There's prophetic words hanging in the atmosphere over them for this trip. There are prophetic things that are going to take place as they go to Singapore. There's some wells that Susanna's got to dig. There's some business things that Hector's got to access. And so we want to release them with the apostolic grace of the equipping church. We want to send them as ministers of this house to to Singapore. Yes, they've got to take care of some things in the natural. That's why they've got to go. But there is something that God wants to release over you to on this trip, there's a fresh wind coming over you, says the Lord. And the Lord says that I'm going to cause even the walls that were built in your hearts in that nation to be torn down. That it was a place of great grief. It was a place of great disappointment. It was a place of great uh, 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 despair. And even when you go back In previous years, that despair seems to settle in. But the Lord says that on this time, 
And in this way, I'm going to unearth great joy. The Lord says, I'm going to unearth great joy. And for all the years that the canker worm and the locusts and the palmer worms stole from you, in that nation, the Lord says, watch as I restore to you even seven times what the enemy stole. So Lord, loose the anointing on them now. Let the anointing rest on them. Father, we loose the apostolic grace over them for this trip. And Father, I thank you for doors of opportunity, even amongst family, to minister fresh words, fresh anointing, fresh restoration. I thank you, Father, that you're going to heal the past, redeem the present, and prophesy the future. Let the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage be loosed on them now. We send them with an apostolic grace from this house. Now, in the name of Jesus. Oh, shut. For the Lord even says, I'm changing your vocabulary and your language on this trip. That I'm going to teach you a new way to speak. And I'm going to teach you a new way to write. And I'm going to teach you a new way to teach. And I'm going to cause creativity to flow in a way that you've never had before. And I'm going to cause even business connections. But I desire to give you streams in Singapore. Ha! For much you've sacrificed. Much you've given. And harvest has come. Ha! And the reaper shall overtake. The reaper shall overtake the plowman. Rando Sabakaya. We release you to fly to that nation to bring back harvest. Now! In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Turn in your Bibles. While you're standing, sitting, whatever you're doing, get in your Bible to Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. I honestly don't know where we're going this morning. I'm in a wrestle with the Lord this morning. There's a divine agitation taking place in the atmosphere this morning. We're, we're in our, our series, Life on Mission. That's, that's where we're at this morning, but... There's a, a, a word that's in my spirit that I've, I've not wrestled through yet. And that's sometimes dangerous for a preacher. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. Often we look at the genesis of Abraham's journey in chapter 12, but it actually begins in chapter 11. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah beget Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran beget Lot. And Haran
Haran died before his father in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now I want you to jump over to one other scripture. Jump over to Luke chapter 4. And hopefully the Holy Ghost will connect these two. But I have something in my spirit this morning. And he came down, Luke chapter 4, verse 31. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were amazed at his teaching because his message was delivered with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone! What business do you have with us? Say, leave us alone. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. Say that this morning. I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, it came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all and began, and began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the news about him was spreading into every locality of the surrounding region. Verse 38. Then he got up and left the synagogue and entered Simon's home. Someone's saying on Facebook Live that the background music is louder than me. I don't know if we fixed that. And entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she immediately got up and served him. Now while the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he was laying his hands on each one of them and healing them. Demons were also coming out of many shouting, You are the Son of God! And yet he was rebuking them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Now when the day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place and the crowds were searching for him and they came to him and tried to keep him from living, leaving them. But he said to them, I must also preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because I was sent 
for this purpose. Say this, for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Holy Ghost, you are in this room and I thank you that there is a word in due season for your people. I thank you for the anointing that makes preaching possible this morning. I thank you that it makes it easy and that God, I would communicate your heart that we might be transformed by the living word that is in this room. You are the word. You were the word made flesh. And I thank you for the anointing this morning that makes it possible to preach in Jesus name. I want you to say this this morning. I'm going somewhere because I have a purpose. We started with a story this morning. We look at the Genesis of, of Abram's story often in Genesis chapter 12. And we know that, that God calls Abram. And He says, Arise, get out of your father's country and go to a land that I've prepared for you. How many of you know God has a land prepared for you? He has a purpose and a destiny that He's created you for. A mandate, something on the inside of you. But the struggle that we often have is reaching the place that we're called to. That's what what we all struggle with. We have these struggles on the inside of us. And in Genesis 11, we read that Terah took his son Abram. We go back in Abram's history and we find Terah. Terah, the family man, the the man who has sons. He has Abram and he has Haran and he has this family. And he is called to take them somewhere. It says that they, they went forth to go to Canaan. Isn't this the place that in 12 we read that God calls Abram to leave his father's country and go to Canaan, go to a place. But the genesis of the story, the beginning of the story, starts with a generation that was called to the same place. Terah was called to the same place. He was called to the land flowing with milk and honey. He was called to the place of promise. And there are times when we leave one place bound for another. Terah had picked up his stuff and was headed in a direction. But we read in the story that Haran, his son, dies. Disappointment shows up on the scene. Haran dies. The one who had bore an heir to the family. Haran had a son named Lot. We read already in the genesis of the story, we already know that Sarai was barren. She couldn't have children. So so here we we have Terah who has a son Lot, but he knows they can't have children. So my future is in Haran. My future is in this direction and and Haran bears a son Lot. And I'm sure in Terah's mind there's more sons to come. There's a future to come. There's something in Haran. But we read, Haran dies. So many of us in our, our destiny and on our way to our purpose and on our way to our dreams, we have a Haran and he dies. And we experience a disappointment. And we read on in this story 
It says, And Abraham and Nahor took them wives. And Terah, verse 31, And Terah took Abram his son and Lot. So now he's got his grandson. I've still got an heir. I've still got some promise here. And Sariah's daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. What does it say? They came unto Haran. And they dwelt there. So many times in our lives we are headed in the direction that God has called us to, that He's called our family to, that He's called our church to, that He's called our purpose and our destiny to, and we reach a place that reminds us of our past. Terah's headed towards Canaan land. Canaan meaning the place of security. Canaan meaning the place of enlargement. Canaan meaning the place of promise, meaning the place where we can go and we can expand and we can fulfill our promise. We can get to that place. But he gets to Haran. Oh, Haran. Reminds me of my son. My son whom I loved who died. That My disappointment, my greatest disappointment in life. I get to the place of Haran. So I stop. I stop. Because it's familiar. I can grieve here. I can have something that reminds me of Haran. Where are you from? The place of the name of my son. The place that's so familiar. That place that that I feel close to. that, That place of disappointment that I've now made camp in. That place where I will hold up my generations for my own comfort. See, Torah, Torah means delay. Torah, the father who should have taken Abram, who should have got them to the land of Canaan long before Abram ever got there, delayed generations. Generations were delayed because of one disappointment. One disappointment, one death delayed generations. And how often do we allow things that are even smaller than that to allow us to camp in our own Haran? Haran means parched road or desert place. We will camp out in a desert because it feels comfortable. And it reminds us of disappointment. It reminds us of the thing that we lost. And we will live years. It says that, that Terah lived 205 years. 205 years. He lived in the parched road because it reminded him of something he lost. I want to read this. Adding those meanings, delay took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, his son, a parched road child, and left the fire of the Chaldeans to go to the land of the merchant trader, the land of success. But they stopped instead at the village of a parched road and settled there. Delay lived for 205 years and died while still at a parched road. 
and we stay there. Terah did what his name suggested. He delayed. He was intended to go to the land of the merchant, the land of the trader, the land of success, the land of expansion, the land of blessing, the land of promise. But he got comfortable. How many times have we stopped short of what we were called to because of our past disappointments, which brings us to our Luke verse. Here's your subtitle, Amber. She said, what's the subtitle? I don't know. Holding to the mandate in the midst of disappointment. Jesus is here in this place and He is gaining popularity. He is gaining success. He is having everything go well. He had opportunity. He could preach in the synagogue right there all he wanted. I want to give you the flip side. Oftentimes, we don't necessarily get caught up on disappointment. We get caught up on success. So Jesus is here. He has the opportunity to build his own kingdom right there. He had popularity to satisfy inner needs for love and acceptance. He had success to feel fulfilled. And oftentimes we live from those things. And though they are ideal goals in the wrong context, they can also be great hindrances. Because we often find our identity in those who surround us. Take, for example, the orphan child who all of a sudden starts to find a group of friends. Maybe the kid who was rejected by his parents. Maybe the kid who who had been abandoned, this orphan child, and all of a sudden... This group of guys at school start to pay attention to him. They realize he's the guy they need for the job. They can use him to accomplish their own goals, but all of a sudden he starts to feel success because he's accomplishing what they've asked him to do. So he starts running drugs for them. And all of a sudden he feels like, I'm part of something. I've got some identity. I've got a place to fit in. And he has success, but in the wrong context it's destructive. In the wrong context, just because we start to find some success, it can ultimately be destructive. But that sense of popularity that was so missing in their life up to this point causes us to overlook the craziness and the destructive nature of our relationships. Driven by the inner need to be accepted and popular, other vital aspects of our life are often compromised. Because we're sensitive to other people's reactions to us. And what often will happen is it will draw us away from what we were actually doing well at before we started finding our fulfillment there. Before long, our lives have descended into a tailspin of trouble and maybe even conflict. All because of our inner drive for relationship. All because of our inner drive to want to be accepted. All because of our inner drive for popularity and success and opportunity. I have seen it time and time and time again that people will compromise what they once stood for because it gives them inroads to the things that they so desired in their soul. On one level, Opportunity, popularity, success can be amazing. And on another level, they can be extremely destructive. And so we're left with just one thing. How do we know when something that comes across our path is actually a good thing for us? 
We could say that Jesus was faced with this same dilemma in our passage this morning because here He is. He is experiencing great popularity. His ministry is flourishing and is all around Him. The temptation is to remain in one place. You experience success. Why move on? Many people have come to a place of success, but nothing seems to have changed around them over the years. I know people who have become so successful, but they've got the same attitudes, the same behaviors, and they're still stuck at the same level of success they were at 10 years ago. Some people are just like that. Don't upset the cart. There's a great book written, Don't Move the Piano. Because people enjoy what they know. Well, my great-great-great-grandmother played that piano in that church. Don't move that piano. I want to burn the piano. That's how I'm wired. I'm like, let's not just move it. Let's burn it. A friend of mine quoted my book on Facebook yesterday. I forgot I'd even written this in the book. He said, God likes barbecue and has no issue roasting your religious cows. But it's the truth because we become so settled in our traditions. We become so settled in our successes. We become so settled in our attitudes. And Jesus gives us a completely different view of how to manage our life. We have two stories here that we're looking at. We've got Terah who is plagued by disappointment. And we've got Jesus who in some ways is plagued by success. But two things set Jesus apart that Torah did not have. Number one, he had a clear mission. And number two, he had commitment to the mission. Let's look at it for a moment. He's right at the beginning of his ministry. Jesus has come on the scene. Everybody loves him at this point. He hasn't told him to drink his blood and eat his flesh yet. But in some ways, he needs a crowd at this point. He needs to get the message out that the Messiah has come. He needs some followers. He needs some disciples. And it all happens right at the start. It says they're amazed at his teaching. He's casting out demons. And they're obeying. I mean, at this time, the Sadducees, they cast out demons. But they'd have to wrestle them. I've read in some accounts that, that in some of the records that the people who were responsible for the exorcisms often could die in trying to get the demons out because the demons would throw them across the room. But here's Jesus. He's got authority. Here He is. He, he just tells them to be quiet and come out. It's a good sign when you're looking for deliverance ministry. Do the demons obey? His reputation is spreading rapidly. Miracles are happening everywhere. It says all those who had any, any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He was laying hands on each one of them and healing them. And the obvious happens. Jesus, stay here. This is what you were looking for. Crowds, popularity, success, honor. There's even so much more opportunity here. But Jesus' response is so earth-shattering, y'all. He says this, I must preach 
the kingdom of God to the other cities also. For I was sent for this purpose. I was sent for this purpose. He was driven by something greater than popularity, success, opportunity, but by a conviction to his life's mission. He saw everything in light of the greater purpose. He was directed by the draw to remain, was overshadowed by the mandate to go. Terah had a call to go, but it was easy to stay. Haran, my son, I feel close when I'm here. I'm comfortable here. It it reminds me of him. Even though I thirst in the parched place, even though I stay here in the parched place, my son, I'm close. But everything for Jesus was evaluated in light of the greater life mandate he was compelled by. What was happening around him, as great as it was, was subservient to the greater mission, his life's mission, his divine purpose and mandate. I'll never forget. I was in, where was I? I was in Ohio and I'm telling you, the spirit of God was moving. My friend, Jamie, I was staying with him and I had just made the commitment that I was not going to travel anymore and I was going to pastor this church, but revival was breaking out. I'm telling you, There was a move. People were flying across the room under the power of God. It was wild. Jamie and his wife set me down. They said, do you think you could stay on and continue? Oh, I was tempted. I said, no. Let me make a call. Let me make a call. That's what I said. Let me make a call. I called Brent. Brent Douglas, my spiritual father. I said, Brent, this is what's happening. There's this incredible move of God. Something's happening here in Ohio. And he asked this question. What is your mandate? Four words. What is your mandate? I said, well, I'm mandated to pastor the church. He said, then it doesn't matter how great the move of God is. Doesn't matter how great the signs and wonders are. Doesn't matter how great the miracles are. Doesn't matter how great you think you are. You have a mandate. But see, so often we get distracted by success, by what looks like success. But my greatest success was being here on Sunday to pastor the church. That was where my greatest success was. It didn't matter that we had people getting healed of MS and we had people having incredible miracles and the move of God. That was subservient to the mandate. Jesus knew what his mission was. Jesus stated right at the beginning, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach To heal, but deeply embedded in that mandate was He has sent me. Doesn't matter what's happening around you when you understand that you are sent. 
Not to remain in one place, but sent to find the captives, those in bondage, those in need, to get to as many people as possible, not to settle down and thereby limit his impact. His call was to get out there, to get the message out, to get the demonstration of the power of God throughout the nation, and thereby birth the church that would go to all nations, that the gospel might be preached to every creature, that today, 2,000 years later, you'd be sitting in Bryan, Texas to hear the same gospel that was preached by the Lord then that is still being preached today because it's still the same truth because he was sent with a mandate. He couldn't have stayed in one synagogue. He couldn't have stayed in one place. But Terah, who was called to Canaan, stayed in one place because of disappointment. And for too long, you've stayed in one place and you've camped out in your disappointment and what happened because it's familiar and it's comfortable. But God is saying to you this morning, get up, get up and get to Canaan land. Don't stay in the parched place any longer because it makes sense to you. I remember talking with a man years ago. I gave him the most ridiculous prophetic word I think I've ever given to date. I'm in this conference and the host asked me to prophesy over every person in the conference. There were at least 700 people in the conference. They lined them up And I went from 9 o'clock p.m. to 4 o'clock the next morning. And there was a grace on it. I was a man under authority. So I said, whatever they ask me to do, I do. I don't do that anymore. I've, I've matured a little bit in my gift. We make reasonable agreements. But I was young then. And I said, yes, I will do whatever you ask. And so... I remember at about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I had to preach the 8 a.m. service. At 4 o'clock, they carried me to my hotel room. I laid down, went to sleep. I woke up at 7 o'clock, said, God, you've got to speak because I'm dead. And I believe in resurrection, but I'm going down this line, and I get to this man. I get to this man, and all I heard was donkeys. I said, Lord, are you calling this guy a King James version of a donkey? Some of you will catch that later. And he looked at me and I said, the Lord says donkeys. And I moved on. I got about 15 people down the line. I looked back. This guy is face flat on the ground, wailing before the Lord. Wailing. The next day at the conference, he came up to me. And he said, I got to tell you, he said, I was standing in that line thinking I was the dumbest person in the world because God told me to breed donkeys. And we bought a farm and we've started breeding donkeys and I've lost money on the front side of it. But you gave me a confirmation. Six months later or so, I got an email from this guy. It took off. I didn't know you could take off breeding donkeys. But somehow it took off and God provided with donkeys. 
But I asked him a question. I said, what's next? And he said, no, I'm just going to do this to stay comfortable for retirement. I said, that's all you're going to do? You're just going to stay there at that level when God has obviously graced you to do more? I'm comfortable. I was shocked. The tragedy is that right there was a person living in the light of success and not in the light of a kingdom mandate. A Christian, but no vision. No sense of divine purpose. No divine passion and drive. Found success, so stopped there. Not realizing that his success was really a gift God had given him for doing greater things for the kingdom of God. But often we find success and we stop there. We no longer live by mandate, we live by success. Well, what happens when the donkeys die? What happens when the market turns? What happens when, when the friendship dissolves? What happens when the partnership... I used to live in this idea, I'm going to run with this person forever. Half of them are dead. I used to think, this is who I'll do ministry with for the rest of my life. I don't live that way anymore. I live by a mandate. Now every person who comes into my life... They are part of the mandate for whatever season and for whatever reason. But if I live based on who I'm attached to and not who I'm attached to, I will be disappointed constantly. Terah lived with, with Haran as his future when Canaan was his future. He had a mandate to go and to set up for generations, but because one person in a generation died, he delayed all of his generations. Have you ever wondered about people who have succeeded, then faced incredible odds? I am so inspired by people who can build businesses, watch them fail, and build again. I'm so inspired by people like that. What is it about people who can do that? They live by a mandate. They know what they're called to. This failed, let's get up and build again. This failed, let's get up and build again. That didn't work, let's go a different direction because I've got a mandate because I know I'm called to something more. I know I've got more in me. I know I've got more to give and more to live so therefore I will not live in Haran. I'm called to Canaan. I'm called somewhere else. I'm called to not live in the parched place. I can't just quit because it failed. I can't just quit because they died. I can't quit because they wrote me out of their story. I can't quit because they stopped inviting me to their conferences. I can't quit because they didn't grant the grant. I've got to go because God has given me a mandate. So what? They didn't like me. I don't care. I've got a king of kings who's called me by name. I've got a Lord who's given me a mandate. So what? They won't give me a platform. So what? They won't give me a microphone. There's people going to hell outside those doors and you're worried if people like you? 
Get over yourself. Get out of Haran and get your butt to Canaan. Hallelujah. I almost used a King James word. Harabashaka. Better pray in tongues before my English gets me in trouble. Oh. It's always about seeing life in greater vision of purpose and destiny. Even those without knowing Jesus who succeed are driven by a value system. I, here, here's what drives me crazy, y'all. It actually makes me weep sometimes because there are entrepreneurs who are sitting in our churches. There are doctors who are sitting in their churches, but because they bought a lie that ministry looks one way or because they bought a lie that they've got to wait for some mystical experience. They're dead. Sitting on their blessed assurance, waiting for God to do something when God gave them a mandate to go. You know why the church suffers from financial difficulties? I'll tell you why. It's not because God doesn't provide. He always meets the needs of His church. They suffer because His children are not obedient to the mandate. Now this isn't a prosperity wealth gospel. Hear me clearly this morning. I'm not preaching that. But what I am preaching is obedience to the principles He set forth in the Word of God. We should lack for nothing because that's what His Word promises. But the reason our dreams are delayed is not because of a demon or a devil. It's because of disobedience. Because we get stuck in Haran. But Jesus said, I must go for I have been sent for this purpose I cannot stay for us as believers we have to ask a couple questions what is God's overall purpose for the believer and number two in light of that overall purpose what is my responsibility my calling my mandate that I must fulfill for that purpose to be outworked in my life? The answer to the first question is fairly simple. Bringing the kingdom of God to the earth. Can I just give you a clue this morning? I don't need to commission another prophet to prophesy. I don't need to commission you into ministry. Your ministry began the day you came to the cross and exchanged your old self for your new self. So get up, get busy, and start winning people to Jesus. Well, I just have a call. Yeah, we all do. What are you doing about it? Well, I'm called to nations. You ain't called to nations until you're called to your city. If you can't win people for Jesus, you will never survive the demons in Africa. Been there, done that, almost died, bought the t-shirt, not going back. I'm serious, y'all. You got to get up and get out of Haran and get to your Canaan. Fulfill your mandate. Stop living in the past. Well, I'm, I'm just called to do this. And, well, no one's ever commissioned. Yes, Jesus, go there for. 
Simple as that. My wife's looking at me from the back. I can't tell if that's a look of move on or agreement. John the Baptist, Jesus, the early church, all spoke of this as their focus. In our initial passage, Jesus stated his mission was to preach the kingdom of God to other places. And during his ministry, he constantly reinforced that when the healing, a deliverance, or a miracle occurred. He says, this is the kingdom of God. Constantly reinforce that. And to ensure we got it, he said in Matthew 24, 14, you know, all the rapture baiters who, who use this verse all the time. This is the word. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. It is not about hiding away. It's about declaring and advancing the kingdom. Stop waiting for a rapture and become a rapture for someone. Take them into an encounter. Get them caught up in the Holy Ghost. Because He's not coming back until we do what we're supposed to do. That'll mess with some theology this morning. Moving on. For a kingdom to advance, it means war, overtaking land, defeating enemies. I've never seen a kingdom that hides away in their castle waiting for the land to be given to them by the enemy. Never seen it happen. I've never seen it happen in all of history. We read through history, every land that was taken was taken by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You want your land? Go get it. Stop hiding away in your castle. Well, someday the enemy is going to have to give back what he stole seven times. Meanwhile, you're, you're bleeding out dead in your cold castle with no heat. Gloom, despair. I'm just, I'm ticked off this morning. I'm ticked off at powerless Christians who sit around and complain about having nothing when everything has been given to them at the cross and they just sit around and complain and talk about how they can't fulfill their destiny until their pastor releases them. Get over yourself and do it. But let me make it clear. This is my pulpit. It's not yours. When you pay the death I've paid for it, you can preach in it. Your pulpit's out there. Go get them saved. And I'll keep kicking you till you do it. Pastor Hector, just nod if I need to stop, okay? He gave me permission. We're going. God's overall mandate was to advance the influence and rulership of God's kingdom on this earth. People under demonic influence, deliver them. People who are sick, heal them. People lacking in vision and purpose, inspire them. People in need, pray for them. Meet their need. Stop calling me to do it. You do it. It's all about bringing the kingdom of God to this earth. So the only thing that needs answering is this. How does God want me to fulfill bringing the kingdom of God to this earth? It's by understanding the destiny He has for you. It's the calling that you're meant to work in and fulfill. It's the life purpose that you've been given. We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. 
See, I love how God just brings it all together because I didn't know where we were going this morning. You need to understand the gifts that God has given you. Your gifts are not my gifts. My gifts are not your gifts. You need to understand the gifts God has given you. You need to receive a personal conviction and mandate from God. Stop waiting for the prophet and get the voice of God for yourself. What has God spoken to you? And if you don't know, go open this book and read it and read it and read it some more until you figure it out that He's called you. I tell you, if one more person sends me a Facebook message, what has God called me to? I'm going to delete Facebook. I just might do it, y'all. I'm serious. I am so tired of powerless Christians. Wanting some prophet epiphany to walk in power when you were called to do it. And then discover through that conviction how you're to work that calling out. The answer are in future messages, but there is one key to finish with that is foundational to everything over this. Pray and ask God. Pray and ask God. It sounds obvious. But so many have never made this the focus. It's probably the most important three things any believer must ever come to understand, and it's ignored. Pray and ask God. Pray and ask God. See, we will pray about our needs, our situations. We'll pray about family situations. We'll pray about, but we never stop to pray and say, Lord, who have you called me to be and how am I supposed to do it? And before we can advance any further into any greater revelation, into anything else, we have to understand our mandate. I could preach all day long on why dreams are delayed. Number one, you haven't asked God. 99.99998% of the time, people have not stopped and prayed and asked God. I don't know what God's called me to. You've been saved for 35 years and you still don't know what God has called you to? You've been in church your whole life and you still haven't asked God what you're called to? Wake up and get out of Haran. Stop living. Well, you know, you just don't know all that happened to me. I can tell you what happened to me. But you know what? I took it to the cross. I took it to the cross. And I made an exchange and I chose to leave all of my pain, all of my depression, all of my suicidal thoughts, all of the things that plagued me. I left it at the cross because I was tired of spitting in Jesus's face with my past. Looking at Jesus saying, not worth it. All your pain, all that stuff you did, not worth it. Let me hold on to my baggage. We do that all the time. We look in the bloody and bruised face of Jesus and go, you suck, not enough. My pain is bigger than your price. And we live that way as believers. We ridicule the grace of God for the sake of our own harans and our own comforts. And I'm telling you this morning, build a bridge and get over it. Why don't you stand this morning?
I know it's a hard word, but I love you. I really do. But be like Jesus when he said, if you love me, obey me. Prove your love for Jesus by obeying him. Stop saying you love him and disobeying him. Stop saying you love Jesus and living a life of disobedience to the mandate that he's given you. Jesus, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, because you are the one who convicts, if there's anyone in this room this morning who has not come to know you, if you're in this room this morning, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You have never chosen to surrender every part of your life to him. Let me tell you, you'll never be good enough to do it. He's who makes you good enough. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've experienced in your life. If you want to follow him, he stands with arms ready to receive you. If he could save me, he can save you. There are testimonies in this room this morning of what Jesus can do. And if that's you this morning, you want to make a decision to follow Christ this morning, whether you're watching by live stream or you're in this room, I want you to raise your hand this morning. I want you to raise your hand. Jesus loves you. He loves you. And we're going to pray a prayer this morning together. It's not the prayer that saves you. Jesus saves you, but this is a great introduction to a life with Him. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. Thank you for paying the price for me I give my life to you every part of it all my pain all my disappointment I give to you I choose to follow you in Jesus name Amen this morning you're a child of God If you prayed that for the first time or the first time in a long time, you've come into the kingdom of God this morning and you have started on a path that will never be the same again. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.